T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on EEI. Football is extremely important in my life, and it means a lot to me, and I care a lot about what we're trying to accomplish as a team, and I care a lot about my teammates. And the biggest difference now that I'm older is I have kids now, too, you know, and I care about them a lot as well. And, uh, you know, they've been my biggest supporters. My wife is my biggest supporter. You know, it pains her to see me get hit out there. And, um, you know, she deserves what she needs from me as a husband, and my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. And... um you know, I'm going to spend some time with them and give them what they need because they've really been giving me what I need the last six months to do what I love to do. And, you know, I said this a few years ago, it's, you know, it's a, it's what relationships are all about. It's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family. And, uh, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and, and then, uh, you know, figure out in the future what's, what's next. <laughs> I actually have to laugh at that answer from Tom. Did he say I'm a dad now? Isn't his oldest kid like 15, 14 years old? Oh, well, I'm a dad now. Yeah, you've been a dad for a long time, Tom. I don't know what he's talking about. And then my favorite part is he says it kills Giselle to see him get hit. Well, let me tell you this. Tom Brady this year, and look, it's a credit to him because of the style that he plays, how quickly he gets rid of the football. He was hit 31 times during the regular season. Now, he got hit a lot yesterday. and He got hit against the Eagles after all the issues with the offensive line. But the 31 hits he took this season were the fewest of any quarterback that played 17 games. So let's not act like Tom Brady is Damian Harris running the ball in between the tackles or something along those lines. He does not take a lot of hits. I mean, come on. That's an absolute joke. Now, the other thing I'll say as it pertains to Brady and why I don't think that it'd be a good decision for him to retire or wise for him to retire is this. And look, obviously... You could say he's got nothing to prove. I understand, like, if you want to say he's got the seven rings, he won one without Bill, et cetera. But this is what I'll point out. So you look at this roster, and I know Chris Goblin is technically going to be a free agent, and Mike Evans is there. He's under contract. We'll see what happens with Rob Gronkowski. But Tristan Worf's young player. He's going to come back from the injury. He's going to be fine. They still got a lot of talent on that defense with the Levante Davids, the Devin Whites of the world. The point being, it's still a very talented roster, right? And why did Brady pick that destination a couple of years ago? Because they were loaded. Now, I know he wanted to go to San Francisco. We all know that. But because they had Mike Evans, because they had Chris Goblin, because the quarterback that Tom Brady was replacing threw for more than 5,000 yards. Now, the problem was he threw it to the opposition more than 30 times as well. That was the issue. He had to cut down on the turnovers. But it was a very enticing roster for Brady to go to. 
Well, think about where we're at right now in terms of the NFL and the potential quarterback carousel. Aaron Rodgers could be on the move. Russell Wilson could be on the move. Deshaun Watson could be on the move. And look, I'm just, I know this is a very big hypothetical. Like, this would have to happen. But what if one of those quarterbacks, Rodgers, Wilson, or Deshaun Watson, goes to Tampa Bay and they win a Super Bowl with the group that Brady won a Super Bowl with? Doesn't it make that first Super Bowl that Brady won in Tampa a little less like, oh, see, Brady can do it without Bill? Doesn't it kind of hurt that argument in, in a little bit of a way that it's like, well, yeah, Brady won with Tampa, but so did Russell Wilson. It's kind of that argument, right, in terms of, well, yeah, maybe it was a lot to do with the roster. Because remember that run, by the way, that was a loaded defense that the Bucks had last year when they made that run to the Super Bowl. They played in Green Bay where they played in front of less than 8,000 fans, so there was no crowd noise. Same thing with the New Orleans situation. And then you had a golden opportunity this year if you were Tom Brady and the Bucks. And I know they were dealing with injuries, and I blame the coaching staff more than I blame Brady. I have no idea why they stopped running the ball with Fournette. I thought he looked really good on the first drive, and they just abandoned that. And then Todd Bowles is bringing a blitz and leaving the receiver that just set the triple crown record or just had the triple crown this year, leaving him against the safety. I mean, it's idiotic decision-making at the end of the game. Now, the Buccaneers did not deserve to win the game the way they played, but the reality was they were right there, 27-27, to 27, and the coaching staff made some errors. But the point being, Brady was playing a Rams team on a short week at home. Aaron Rodgers knocked out of the postseason by the San Francisco 49ers. He had a golden opportunity to win another Super Bowl, and the Buccaneers didn't get it done. They did not get it done. I feel like the road was set out for the Buccaneers to make that run, and they came up short yesterday. They really did. I felt like the game plan was bad. And the other thing I'd say is this, just real quickly, that shocked me about that game plan for the Buccaneers. I thought it would be similar to what we saw them do against the Eagles and what the Patriots did against the Eagles in 17 in that Super Bowl, where it was a lot of quick game to try to protect the offensive line, but they didn't really go to that. It was really perplexing to me. The game plan just seemed off and in a weird way, and it's it's tough it's tough to watch this because it felt like in a playoff game, Brady didn't feel like typical Tom Brady. Like he he didn't feel like he was I don't want to say not into the game, but he wasn't that fired up Brady that we always see. Even when they tied it up at 27 to 27, it wasn't like he was going nuts. Ordinarily, you'd see Tom going nuts. So there was definitely something going on there. I don't know if it goes all the way back to the Antonio Brown situation, but I do really feel like the absence of Brown and Godwin was felt yesterday because Tristan Worf's not being there. So with Tristan Worf's not there and them having to help and Gronk was in blocking some of the time as well, they... You wanted to go to that quick game, but the problem was you didn't have those receivers available that get open quickly. Evans is more of a guy that's going to go down the field. Nothing against him. That's not his game. So it did feel like maybe Brady knew that they didn't have it. Maybe that's what it was. Brady knew that they didn't have enough to make that run. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Danny. He's in Quincy. Danny, what's up, man? Kind of a little bit like 2019, huh, Brian? When he he quit on the team in, in 19. Because he knew. Most miserable ain't no quarterback. I know people that went to the game, and this guy was checked out before the game started. He knew. He actually uh, told the reporter that it was not in the cards that he was going to win a Super Bowl this year. It was only the ineptitude of the Los Angeles Rams. And I, 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 that, that even made that game close. That game should have been 50 to 10. How do you fumble? I didn't do fumble on the on the six yard line before the half. How do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. That's the Rams for you. 
McVay goes into a shell. <laughs> McVay goes into a shell. Once the, once the snap went over his head, he wouldn't let the quarterback throw anymore. Oh, we're, Danny, we're, we're, uh, I, Danny, I couldn't understand that. He, the, he, and he does. This is something McVay does. He coaches scared. Like for somebody that's scared, supposed to be. Yeah, he for somebody that's supposed to be like this innovative offensive mind, he's very conservative when it comes to late game situations. He's very conservative on fourth down situations, but it felt like they were just trying to run out the clock. It's like, well, you got to you got to move the ball a little bit here, okay? Eventually, Brady's going to score if you keep getting. Try to run out the clock, Brian. I lost count. It was around eight minutes to go in the game, and I'm like, what are you doing? Your quarterback's (laughs) getting good protection. He's completing passes in the clutch when he has to. I'm not saying you got to air out the ball. But you you start going into a shell. That's what guy. That's another thing. Other than the turnovers, that that helped um, Brady get back. And you know you can look at it two ways. You give him an extra four possessions in the game, and and, and it's amazing. And he didn't win. I mean, you can look at it from that standpoint. Yeah. You know, I hear all the Bobos now saying, "Oh, we came back." I thought moral victory Mondays. Well, only Patriots did moral victory Mondays. Not Brady <laughs> fans are doing it. Yeah, oh like God. Danny, the obviously the com, the comeback, the twenty eight to three comeback against the Falcons, like a lot of that was about the unbelievable play of Brady, and of course you had a couple of clutch defensive plays as well, Chris Long and Dante Hightower. But this one, it didn't really. It felt like it was way more about the Rams than it was about the Bucks. Oh, no question. And and, and, he, and again, look at the look on his face. The, the resign. This is what happens when he knows. I told you about the offensive line. Okay, he had what, a couple of chinks in the armor, and look what happened to him. And and this guy's now what is he looking looking to either get out or look for another team or, I mean, what, I, I, did he not get hit? I, I was talking about getting hit, and I got to spend eat waffles with my kids. I mean, did he not have kids last year? <laughs> yeah, I don't did know. He not <laughs> have kids the year before. I don't did he know. not get hit last year? Did he not get hit <laughs> with the? This guy is the biggest freaking drama queen, spoiled, rotten. Brat, okay. This is what the danger is. That's why Belichick got rid of him. I am so freaking happy what happened yesterday. I don't have to look at him. I don't have to look at that that other Neanderthal knucklehead Gronkowski rendered useless in that game yesterday. Yeah, and I had a root for the Rams. They took another twenty years off my life, Brian. I don't have any more to give. I had a roof of the Rams yesterday, and that idiot McVay, the cheerleader, yeah. the cheerleader. Oh, McVay. he's the worst, Danny. <laughs> Danny, I pre- hey, Danny, I appreciate the phone call as always. Hey, McVay is the worst at that. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when they lost to the Niners? They went up 17 to nothing. He ran in the end zone. Oh, my God. I can't stand McVay either. And the other one is LaFleur. LaFleur, that dude, watching that game the other night against the Niners, I, I know this is, like, not – uncommon for coaches but it is uncommon for nfl coaches you see him like the players do this but the coach when they're on defense he, like, he tries to fire up the crowd like dude what are you doing coach the game coach the game oh but i did find it weird that brady said that about like i'm a dad now like yeah you, you've been a dad for a long time i really truly believe he's going to be back i think that the one thing the one hurdle he has to sort of overcome is getting another year from Giselle to let him play because I'm sure and she's wanting to retire for years I'm sure she doesn't want him to play again but if you're Brady after the way that it ended don't you kind of want to come back and when you're still one of the best in your profession don't you want to prove that you can still win at the highest level I so I believe that if Brady doesn't come back he's going to be pissed off about it all right 617-779-7937 the number let's get to Tom he's in Dorchester Tom what's up man 
How you doing, Brian? Uh, did you know that Brady is the most sacked quarterback in the history of the NFL? Naturally, he's been hit. He's been hit his whole career. Well, I mean, he's uh, also and, played the longest, so I mean. Well, uh, yeah, uh, second is uh, the guy from uh, Green Bay there. Favre? Uh, uh, Brett Favre, yeah, he's second number two. And, and Brady, I, I'm so happy for Brady. He, he's, he's the greatest quarterback in the history. I'm so glad to get rid of them two frauds. Mo Belichick and uh, Larry McDaniels, two frauds. They're, they're no coaches. He had to get you away from You think Belichick is bombs. a fraud? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> he, he, How he so? He's a losing, he, he's he's a a losing, losing coach. Um, coach. He's a losing yeah. coach without Brady. Brady dragged him to the Hall of Fame. When yeah, he makes his right. speech, you better praise Brady. Yeah, I, I mean. the only reason. Yeah, Bill sucks. You're right, Tom. He's horrible. It's his show, yes. You know, he's overrated. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom. He, he's overrated. He's so, overrated okay, Tom, Tom, hold on. Tom, yeah. give me some coaches that you would take over Belichick right now. Any coach, really, seriously. <laughs> Any uh, coach. I, I take B.A. I take B.A. ahead of him because B.A.'s got uh, Brady now. And, no. And the reason why he didn't win the Super Bowl this year, too many injuries. The offensive line, the injuries. If he had his, a whole complement of receivers, and he, he'd be Super Bowl bound. If he had uh, the, okay. the, the receivers and the, uh, the offensive Tom, line. would you take Adam yes. Gase over Belichick? I would take anybody over Belichick. You've got to give me Brady as a quarterback. Oh, You've okay. got to give me Brady as a quarterback. So, hey, Tom, can I ask you a question? Right. Do you think that if Brady had another coach for most of his career instead of Belichick, he would have won more Super Bowls. He would have won 10 Super Bowls with the Patriots. He would have had three <laughs> perfect seasons. All right, hey, Tom, good points. Good points. So I appreciate it, man. So on the table tonight, according to Tom, Belichick held Brady back. Brady would have won more Super Bowls if he didn't have to play for Bill. Uh, by the way, uh, Brady wasn't really throwing the ball much in his first Super Bowl. I remember in uh, the Pittsburgh AFC Championship game, Brady went down with an injury. He admitted on man in the arena that he couldn't deal with that blitz. He couldn't have won that game. Belichick won that game without Tom. Do you think that the win over the Rams in the Super Bowl is more about Tom or Bill? I'm just saying. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Was it Tom's defense that intercepted Peyton Manning four times in a playoff game, or is that Bill's defense? I, I can't remember. But, I oh, mean, boy. just imagine if Tom – Hadn't played for Bill. He, he'd win 12, 13 Super Bowls probably. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. I do want to get to this next, though. There's one thing I saw on Saturday that makes me think the Patriots need to do something similar to this team. I'll tell you what that is in just a little bit here on EI. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're right back to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI. Oh, that guy's unbelievable. So he was talking to Brandon as he was going out to kick. He gave a little warm-up swing, and he said, Ah, it looks like we're going to the AFC Championship right before he went out there to kick it. All right, that's Joe Burrow talking about the rookie kicker for the Bengals, Evan McPherson. That dude's like a legitimate weapon. He's kicking bombs the other day. And thanks in large part to Ryan Tannehill. What was he doing at the end of the game there? Trying to squeeze it into A.J. Brown. The worst thing that should happen for the Titans in that situation at the end of the game is they go to overtime and Tannehill throws it over and or turns it over rather. And now this is something that I'd be thinking about if I was Mike Vrabel. You've had one of the best teams in the NFL for the past three years. AFC championship two years ago, you made the playoffs last season. This year you have the number one seed despite all the injuries. At what point are you going to realize that your quarterback's holding you back? And remember, this is a team that didn't want Brady. They wanted to stick with Tannehill. Tannehill's postseason numbers... 150 yards a game, 85.2 rating, seven touchdowns, five picks, including three the other day. Three interceptions the other day. First throw of the game that he had and the first throw of the second half. He stinks. And Tennessee should be one of the teams, Dow, that gets gets into the Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson conversation, although it won't happen with Watson because that's in the division. But they should be trying to go after the Russell Wilsons, the Aaron Rodgers of the world because they are – a really good team that is being hurt by a quarterback in the postseason. Tannehill's fine during the regular season. Once you get to the postseason, though, he goes from being a really good quarterback, like a well-above-average quarterback during the regular season, to a liability in the postseason. And now it's not a small sample size. We've seen this for three years. Every time this guy gets to the postseason, he sucks. Let's get to Jack in Rhode Island. What's up, Jack? Hey, what's up, Brian? Nice to talk to you again. Um, just hopped in the car and I heard that bum called, uh, just talking about how like Tom Brady would have won 10 Super Bowls. If he had a <laughs> coach than, uh, yeah. Bill Belichick Belichick. held him back, Jack. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. He held him back. He, he could have won 13. Yeah, the, the first couple ones I'll, I'll grant, like I'll give the point. Yeah. The defense was really good, but you know what? Bill trusted him to lead the team and he did so in his own right. Then we look at the Falcon Super Bowl. I mean, 28-3 to three at the half. you got to give credit to the coaching for making adjustments at the second half, coming out, finding a way to beat the Falcons. And you could say the same thing with the defense for the Rams. Yeah, maybe like one small point, like uh, against the Giants, yeah, we got routed, everything, you know. But it's, it's whatever. I mean, Tom, he's the GOAT. You can't deny it. And you know what, Tom, or like you said, uh, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson on the Titans, that's scary. You got to think of that actually legitimately because Russell yeah, Wilson, I don't know, Jack. Like this team has been right there, right? They've been knocking at the door to try to get to a Super Bowl. I don't know how you just keep doing it with Tannehill. I think it's unfair to the AJ Browns of the world, the Derrick Henrys of the world. I don't think it's fair to those guys, even Mike Vrabel himself. I don't think it's fair to keep coming back mm-hmm. with Tannehill. He's not good enough. It isn't, and you, you made a great point with Aaron Rodgers. I'm sitting here with my buddy Jared. Like, if Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry are in the same backfield, that's scary. You cannot plan for that. I mean, even this season, Bill Belichick, he was able to plan for that Bills game with Mac Jones throwing three passes, but he wasn't able to do it for the next two games. And you know what? 
Chalk it up to the offense. Chalk it up to the defense. Chalk it up any way you want. I mean, Matt Jones is young. He's going to develop, and they'll be all set. All right, Jack. Good stuff, man. Appreciate the phone call. His line's open if you want to grab it. at 617-779-7937. I just feel like that's a stealthy team, the Titans, to try to make a big quarterback move. They need to make one. You're only going to get so far with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback. You can be good during the regular season, but when you get into the postseason, he's not good enough to compete with Allen and Pat Mahomes. And as we found out the other day, he's not good enough to compete with Burrow. And Burrow was okay in this game. I was impressed more so than anything else that he just kept getting up. I mean, this dude was lit up. He's got one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. In fact, if you look at ESPN's pass block win rate, the Cincinnati Bengals rank 30th in the NFL, which is by far the worst of any team that's playing in the postseason. So his line is wretched. He took nine sacks. It's the first time ever. It's the most sacks by a player to win a playoff game. Previously, it was eight. Donovan McNabb took eight sacks in a game, and they still won. But think about what the Bengals have done from an offensive perspective that sticks out to me, and it's something that the Patriots need to address this offseason. So, and look, I'm not saying that you should ever model anything you do after the Cincinnati Bengals, but in one way I am actually saying that. I'm going to give the Cincinnati Bengals credit for one thing. And by the way, I do feel like, and I know Mutt and Andy Hart were talking about this earlier, I don't feel like the Joe Burrow-Mac Jones comparisons are too crazy. I mean, Joe Burrow's a slightly better athlete, but both similar in terms of the arm strength, right? Mac does not have a cannon. Joe Burrow does not have a cannon. In fact, if you look at it, Daniel Jeremiah, former NFL scout, NFL network guy, does their all their mock drafts, does their draft coverage. He basically had the same grade for both these guys in terms of arm strength. On a 3-7 to seven scale, he had both these guys around 5. So slightly above average arms for the NFL level. And Joe Burrow, like, you look at that deep out he threw to Jamar Chase at the end of the game there. He's throwing with anticipation. He's an anticipatory passer. He's not somebody that can be late like Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes where those guys can be late and they can still get the ball in there. He doesn't have that ability. Joe Burrow doesn't, just like Mac Jones doesn't have that ability. And I'm not saying that as an indictment. I'm just saying the comparison between the two guys, it's not crazy in terms of the pure talent, so to speak. And if you look at Joe Burrow, massive leap in year two, right? So if you look at Burrow's numbers from year one, he was at 268 yards a game. He went up to 288. He went from completing 65.3% of his passes to 70.4, so up over 5%. TD rate went from 3.2% to 6.5%. The reason I use the percentages here is, of course, he got hurt at the end of the year. Rating went from 89.8 to 108.3. How about Mac Jones? His numbers are actually, in some metrics better than Joe Burrow's rookie year. 67.6 in terms of the completion percentage. The rating was at 92.5 compared to Burrow's who was at 89.8. The touchdown rate was at 4.2% compared to Joe Burrow's who was at 3.2. Now, here's what the Cincinnati Bengals have done for Joe Burrow. Now, you can criticize them to say, hey, they got to spend, they got to put more resources into the offensive line. That's clearly what they have to do this offseason. Number one priority for the Cincinnati Bengals has got to be helping protect Joe Burrow because, as we've seen, he's not a great athlete. I mean, the Tennessee Titans front four was getting all over him the other day. But think about the guys that they have drafted as of late. So Tyler Boyd, a couple of years ago, was a second-round draft pick. They drafted him in, I believe, 2017. They already gave him an extension. He's their third option. He averaged 51 yards a game. Well, the same year that they drafted Joe Burrow number one overall, you know what else they did? They gave him a weapon. They drafted T. Higgins in the second round. T. Higgins, big-time prospect coming out of Clemson. 
He averaged 77.9 yards a game this season and six touchdowns. So we all talk about Jamar Chase, and I'll get to him in a second. But you have other weapons there as well. Boyd, Higgins, and oh, by the way, yes, they drafted Chase in the first round this year. 85 yards a game, 13 touchdowns, 18 yards per reception. The only receiver in the NFL averaging more yards per reception than Jamar Chase this season, Debo Samuel, who's an absolute stud. So that's how impactful he was in his rookie campaign, so to speak, with Jamar Chase. He's already somewhere in the family photo of the best receivers in the NFL. He's somewhere in the top five. I mean, you're talking about Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup. Jamar Chase is right there in that conversation with the Justin Jeffersons of the world, etc. Now, here's the thing about the Patriots, and I know a lot of this is during the Brady era, but it's different now that Tom's not here anymore. The Patriots have drafted one receiver in the first two rounds since 14. That was Nikhil Harry. Now, I understand in the past why you didn't have to go after guys in the first and the second round of the draft. But now that you have Mac Jones, who is somewhat limited from a talent perspective. And look, I'm not saying that's a major indictment. You can get it done with the type of player that doesn't have the massive arm. Drew Brees did it. Matt Ryan won an MVP one season. We've seen what Joe Burrow is doing. So you can win without having an absolute cannon for an arm. I'm not saying that Mac Jones can't do it. But one of the things that we saw with Matt Ryan throughout his career with Drew Brees throughout his career, and now we're seeing with Joe Burrow, is those guys were always surrounded with weapons when they were performing at a high level. You think about a guy like Matt Ryan, it was at the beginning of his career, Roddy White, and they added Tony Gonzalez, and then eventually they add Julio Jones to the mix. Years later, they would add Calvin Ridley. You look at a guy like Drew Brees, he had a running back that could catch the ball out of the backfield, whether it be early on in his career, he had the Darren, early on in his career in New Orleans, I should say. You had the Reggie Bushes, then you had the Darren Sproles, you had Pierre Thomas could catch the ball out of the backfield, and then eventually you got to Elvin Kamara. He always had a big-bodied receiver, Marcus Colston, and most recently Michael Thomas. He always had a tight end, going back to Jeremy Shockey in his first Super Bowl run. Then they go to a guy like Jimmy Graham, and even Jared Cook at the end of his career. So Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Joe Burrow, all guys with similar profiles to Mac Jones in terms of the arm strength, the lack of mobility, so to speak. Joe Burrow, probably the most athletic out of all four of those guys in terms of just his ability to scramble a little bit. But he's not a great athlete or anything along those lines. So when I look at it from that perspective, it makes me think what the Patriots need to do is they need to use more investments on legitimate, bona fide weapons. And that means using some of your draft capital, first and second round draft picks on receivers, unlike how you've been doing business For the majority of your time here in New England, if you're a Bill Belichick and company, you didn't put a lot of resources into the first and the second round. Now, you did occasionally. Deion Branch, second round pick. Rob Gronkowski, second round pick. You've done it occasionally. But I just feel like with Mac Jones, you got to get him more guys that can make things happen after the catch. Let's get to Ray in Connecticut. What's up, Ray? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing tonight? Good. Uh, So, you know, real quick, I was listening to Peter Griffin. He was funny with uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but... On the Joe Burrow, uh, Mac Jones comparison, um, one thing you said, Burrow obviously sacked nine times in the game. Uh, Burrow's probably had the best college career uh, season, right? The year that they won LSU won the, I mean, uh, LSU won the national championship. But you know, Mac Jones has a little bit more time in the pocket. I think, um, you know, I think that Burrow uh, is just. I think he's ahead of Mac Jones. Um, I'd probably put him in the top. I put him in like the top five right now, honestly, in the NFL as far as, you know, future with Allen, um, Allen, Herbie, uh, you know, 
Mahomes. Yeah, Ray, look, I understand your point, and I agree with you that Burrow's definitely ahead of Mac Jones right now. But do you think that Burrow makes the leap in year two if he doesn't have Jamar Chase? Oh, I mean, the chemistry obviously has helped tremendously. Um, be under pressure all the time, though. I mean, you got I, I just got to give the guy that edge of, of just being able to – I mean, he threw for over 4,000 yards, 34 touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty good bounce back here coming off a gruesome injury. Um, you know, the future is definitely bright for Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. I'm a huge Mac Jones fan. I was doing jumping jacks, and I was going nuts when the, the Pats drafted him. But, uh, you know, what Burrow is doing in Cincinnati, I mean, who thought Cincinnati would be in the playoffs, let alone the AFC Championship game? No, I'm with you on that, Ray. I like Burrow a lot as a player as well. I would just say this. If you look yep. at the weapons he has right now, they've decided that, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to surround our young quarterback with talent. That's why we take Jamar Chase instead of the offensive lineman, yep. Panay Sewell, with, what, the fourth overall selection. That's why we take T. Higgins in the second round in Joe Burrow's rookie year. And they already had a second-round pick around in Tyler Boyd that could help kind of make the transition for Joe Burrow as well. And I would argue that all three of those guys that are playing with Joe Burrow right now would be the number one receiver on the Patriots. Without a doubt. Yeah, so that's no, my whole point, right? That's my, yeah, that's, that's my whole point about how the Patriots got to look mm-hmm. at this because of Mac Jones somewhat limited from a talent perspective. I'm not saying he can't make all the mm-hmm. throws, but obviously he doesn't have the sure. Mahomes-Allen type of arm strength, so to speak. So when I look at it, you need mm-hmm. to get this guy help, and that's why I just feel like the Patriots have to change up their approach as it pertains to free agency and trades and the draft. They have to get them more legitimate weapons. I agree. Let me ask you real quick. Yeah. So, you know, they, they went out and they grabbed Hunter Henry. They went out and they grabbed Jonu Smith. So this reminds me of, you know, the Aaron Hernandez, Gronk, you know, double tight, potentially, uh, you know, knock it out of the park offense, switch it up from what we've been doing over the past few years. The the lack of Jonu Smith this year, I mean, the guy's an athlete. Mm-hmm. Hunter Henry, obviously, athlete. Don't you think there should have been a little bit more chemistry with Mac Jones coaching, trying to yeah. help this kid out and yeah, well, utilizing Jonu and Henry? Yeah, well, I think that the Henry thing, and I appreciate the call, Ray, I think the Henry thing worked out pretty well. And I know maybe you'd like to see more volume next year with Henry, but I think there was a nice chemistry with Mac Jones and Hunter Henry. I did feel like on third down – he was going to Hunter Henry or he was going to Jacoby Myers. So I did feel like he built up some chemistry with Hunter Henry. My issue is more so with Jonu Smith. I mean, look, I understood the idea of what the Patriots are doing as it pertains to both those signings. I always thought when they signed Hunter Henry, he'd be a solid player. That's what he was with the Chargers. He was solid. He was never going to be one of the top three uh, tight ends, rather, in the NFL. He doesn't have that level of athleticism, so to speak, but he'd be pretty solid. And I feel like, for the most part, he was pretty solid this year, especially in the red zone. He's very productive for the Patriots. But the John O. Smith signing was a projection, right? What you were essentially saying is, okay, yeah, the volume numbers, they're not big in Tennessee. We get him here. He can do more. Okay, well, the problem is, if you look at what he did here compared to what he did in Tennessee— You didn't even get the volume that he got in Tennessee, which is a major issue because you were projecting the whole time that you were going to get more volume from him, right? You were going to get more volume from what he was doing in Tennessee. And it just felt like, from my perspective, he looked really uncomfortable at times in this Patriots offense. And I do wonder this. Coming out of the system that he came in in Tennessee, his routes were really simple. When he was playing with Ryan Tannehill, it was a ton of play-action stuff. That's, That's how they basically made their offense was around the play action with Derrick Henry. I mean, if you look at it, Tannehill basically sucks when he doesn't have 
Derrick Henry in the lineup. But if you look at what the Patriots did as it pertains to the play-action passing game, they didn't do a lot of that at all. In terms of Mac Jones this past season was 17th in the NFL in play-action pass attempts. And if you look at Jonu Smith, for example, his last year in Tennessee, 174 passing attempts out of play action for the Titans. That was third in the NFL in 2020. You go back to 2019, which was basically John O. Smith's best season as a member of that Tennessee Titans team. You look at it that year, the Titans attempted, they were fifth in attempts out of play action that particular season. So when you look at it, he came out of a system in Tennessee that was based on a lot of play action pass game with Derrick Henry, with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. And he was the beneficiary of being wide open. He was running very simplistic routes. And it felt like when he came to the Patriots, that sort of offense changed. Now, I'm not making excuses for John O. Smith because he looked uncomfortable at times running the football. But it just felt like the Patriots thought, OK, we can build on what he was doing in Tennessee. We can give him more stuff. We can give him more of a route tree, so to speak. And he just didn't take to it whatsoever. But they got to find a way to somehow try to get more out of the player next year because you gave him that big, fat contract. But I still look at it in terms of what the Pats need to do in the offseason. Even if John o. Smith takes a little bit of a step forward, you cannot depend on that based on what we saw last year. And I look at all these guys in terms of who the Patriots have coming back. I believe Bourne was a good signing. I like Bourne. I think that he's a good player. He's very productive after the catch. Seven yards per reception in terms of his yak yards, which is really good. It was six amongst non-running backs. Johnny Smith was 8.5 yards after the catch. The problem was he didn't catch the ball very much. He led all tight ends in that category. The problem was he didn't catch the ball very often. Okay, so yeah, when he did catch the ball, he made plays. But the problem was he didn't do it very often. Jacoby Meyer is a good player. But Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry, I'd throw into that conversation as well. Those guys are meant to be number two to number three options. What you do need is an alpha omega of the offense. That's why if it was me, I'd love them to go after a receiver in the first round of the draft. If that's Jamison Williams, the kid out of Alabama, coming off an injury, I'd love them to go in that direction. I would love them to go after Calvin Ridley via a trade. And another guy I throw out there, my dream scenario is Chris Godwin. I would love them to go after Godwin. It'd be pretty funny taking him away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he's coming off a torn ACL. I understand that. But he's kind of the perfect guy for the Patriots offense because he can play in the slot and he's a bigger version of what Welker and Edelman were. That guy would be perfect for Mac Jones. But you have got to do one of those three things this offseason. I wouldn't mind you doing two of the three. Either draft a guy in the first or the second round, trade for a guy, or sign somebody in free agency, depending on what you can do with the cap situation. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Before we leave, i got to get to this. The luckiest quarterback in the history of the NFL. We'll get to him next here in EI. We're right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. You know, so many guys' contracts are, are up or on the brink or salary cap stuff, so... A lot of decisions to be made. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild uh, if, you know, if I'm going to keep playing. So uh, a lot of decisions, you know, in the next couple months. All right. That was Aaron Rodgers after his team lost to the San Francisco 49ers. What an embarrassment that was for Green Bay. That special teams unit. I mean, come on. At the end of the game, they only had 10 men on the field, too for the game-winning field goal for San Francisco. But now you really look at it with Rodgers. That was such a disingenuous statement that he made. I don't want to be part of a rebuild. Does he really think if he comes back to the Packers next season that they're going to be rebuilding? 
Yeah, hey, Aaron, this is going to take a little bit of uh, this is going to take a little bit of a rebuild here, okay? Even though we've been in three consecutive NFC championships, hold on here, we're going to rebuild. I mean, the give most me a break. valuable vaccinated player. <laughs> and by the way, so if you look at him now in the postseason, he's eleven and ten. That's it, eleven and ten. And it felt like, man, when this guy started to get going, that run that he had with Green Bay, you felt like, okay, this guy's going to play in a bunch of Super Bowls. He's only gotten to the Super Bowl once. He's now one and four in the postseason in terms of, or I should say he's still one and four in championship games because he didn't play in the championship game this season. But he's now 0-2 against Jimmy Garoppolo. He's 0-1 against Colin, or he's 0-2 against Colin Kaepernick. He's 0-1 against Eli Manning. He's 0-1 against Russell Wilson. He loses to all these guys in the postseason, and all these games are at home. It's incredible to me. And look, I understand it's not always just on the quarterback. But at some point, you would have figured he made that run again to the Super Bowl. It's unbelievable to me. And his team put up 10 points. So, like, I understand that a lot of this has to do with the special teams the other night, right? And clearly, that was a major issue for the Packers in that game. But you can't put up more than 10 points at home in a postseason game. And did you see the throw that he made at the end of the game to Devontae Adams? Alan Lazard is running wide open. And Rodgers just throws it its double coverage to Devontae Adams. It's like so many of these quarterbacks that we've seen in the postseason before, like when Mahomes gets into a game in the postseason, you feel like he's going to get it done. When we watch Brady play, you always feel like even yesterday, when I don't believe Brady was playing particularly well, you feel like, okay, yeah, Brady's got a chance to come back in this game. As crazy as things are going, Brady's got a chance to come back in this game. And I wasn't young enough to watch Montana's postseason runs, but I'm sure people felt the same way about Montana. You never feel like Aaron Rodgers in a postseason scenario is going to get it done. And you really start to wonder, like, where he is from a legacy perspective. Because in all likelihood, he's going to win the MVP, although there's arguments for other guys. But he's probably going to win it. He was the first-team All-Pro quarterback, so he's going to be a four-time MVP. The only five-time MVP in NFL history is Peyton Manning. But if you think about it, Brady now is sort of in this universe by himself in terms of the greatest quarterback of all time, and it's not even debatable, right? But that next group of guys, Joe Montana's in that group, obviously. He's probably in a group by himself, and then you have, like, the Elways of the world. You have the Peyton Mannings of the world and Brett Favre, three-time MVP in a row. But you got that next group, right? The Aikmans of the world. Where does Rodgers fit in terms of the hierarchy of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Because I do understand that you can make a convincing argument that he's the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. But at some point, the postseason needs to matter. That's why Dan Marino is never in the conversation as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He had arguably the greatest start to a career. Think about this. His second year, he throws for more than 5,000 yards. In 1984, he gets to a Super Bowl. You think this guy's going to go to Super Bowls years after years after years. And it just doesn't happen. He never gets back to the Super Bowl. And now you look at Aaron Rodgers. It's very similar to the path that Dan Marino went on. Now, Rodgers early on his career won that Super Bowl, unlike Dan Marino. But he still has never gotten back. And I feel like that team is plenty talented enough to get to Super Bowls. You're talking about arguably one of the best receivers. Not arguably. One of the best receivers in the NFL in Devontae Adams. A.J. Dillon had a tremendous year for them out of the backfield. They have Aaron Jones, who was back and healthy. And I know Zadarius Smith didn't play the majority this year, but he's been really good for a number of years there in Green Bay. 
So I just look at that team, and I feel like they're talented enough to make runs, but something goes wrong with them once they get into the postseason, which does make me think that, and I always felt like Green Bay is the best place for Rodgers to win, but I'm starting to rethink that considering every time he gets to the postseason with this group, he loses. But if you're Rodgers, do you really want to go to the Broncos because that's been the team that's been rumored the most? And I know they have a ton of talent, right? The Jerry Judys of the world, the Cortland Suttons of the world, the Noah Fants of the world. Still, despite giving up Vaughn Miller, they have talent on the defensive side with the Bradley Chubbs of the world. They just drafted Patrick Sertan. But here's the thing I would say. You're going to have to play Herbert twice a year and Mahomes twice a year. The Chiefs are more talented than the Broncos. So do you really want to go to that division if you're Rodgers? Or do you want to go to the Raiders, which would be a similar conversation if they decide, hey, we want Aaron Rodgers, going to move on from Derek Carr? I just feel like that division is one that I would want to stay away from. If I was Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know where the hell he's going to end up. Who the hell knows? I mean, him and the Brady decision, it's going to be wild to watch this offseason. But the winning quarterback in that game was Jimmy Garoppolo. So here's something that's going to make you think for a second. Jimmy Garoppolo has started five postseason games for the San Francisco 49ers. He has one game that he's thrown for more than 200 yards. That's the only game he's lost. Think about that. He's 4-1 and one in the postseason. The only game he lost was to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl when he went 20 of 31 for 219, one touchdowns, two interceptions. That's the only game he threw for over 200 yards. All these other games, he has won. 172 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, a win. This is last week, by the way. 11 of 19, 131, zero touchdowns, one interception, he wins. 6 of 8 for 77 yards. No touchdowns, no picks, he wins. 11 of 19 for 131, one TD, one interception. So his postseason career, 74.6 rating, 146 yards a game, two touchdowns, five interceptions. He's completing 62.7% of his passes, yet he's 4-1. and one. Oh, and by the way, how about this? In two games against the Green Bay Packers in the postseason, Aaron Rodgers has lost to Jimmy Garoppolo twice. I just like saying that. I know I said it earlier, but I like saying it. He's thrown for a combined 208 yards in those two games. And no touchdown passes. Yet he's 2-0 against the Green Bay Packers. And now he's going up against the Rams. Oh, the one thing I'll mention real quickly before I leave. Why don't they use Trey Lance at all? Earlier on in the season, they were they had a package for him. And he was coming in and he was running the ball. And in these obvious running downs, like you're pulling Trent Williams. Like he's lining up almost like a fullback. Why don't you put Trey Lance into the game in some of those scenarios? I don't get it. I mean, what's Jimmy going to do in that situation? Might as well bring Trey Lance into the game. Like, the whole argument against Trey Lance is, hey, we don't want him to make mistakes. Have you guys watched Shan- Have you guys watched Jimmy play? Guy turns it over like crazy. All right, thanks to Justin for producing. We're back with you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.